Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hello, this is Duncan from New York. Thank you guys for all that you do. I've been listening to you guys for about a year now, and you've taught me a lot about long-term investing. I am now trying to expand my expertise and trying to do a little bit of defense for the volatility that's coming up. The ticker symbol is SCXU. And provides unbiased answers. All right, I like what you're talking about, about playing a little defense. The problem here is that you're picking a leveraged ETF. Investor. Over 35 million downloads and counting. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our October 4th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk, and I appreciate you all tuning in for this hour. Today was an interesting day in the market, and I'm going to do my best to help guide you through this changing market regime. And today was a perfect example of that. You had the growth side of the market really taking it on the chin, uh, down about 2.5% on average on that side. And then the value side did fairly well. Small and mid-cap value were actually up for the day. So you can kind of see that rotation energy continue to do relatively well. Uh, Financials were roughly flat on the day. Uh, Just so so much rotation happening in the market. And this is what I've been talking about for a while now, that we're in a new regime. Inflation is higher. It will remain higher to some degree. It's going to ebb and flow, but the average over the next decade is going to be very different than what you've seen over the past previous few decades. And the market is starting to price those things in. Uh, And that means the leadership of the market is going to change and is changing. And so during this hour, I'm going to do my best to un- unveil uh, some information that is pertinent for you that will help you make better investment decisions. And that's what it's really all about. It's about gathering the right information, the right perspective, and executing the right strategy in order to reach your own individual goals. And that's financial freedom. Your financial freedom might look different than your neighbors and your cousins and your brothers. But the end means is making smart decisions consistently. And so on this podcast and show, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. And that's my assurance to you each hour that whether I'm talking about the market, a stock, a sector, strategy, Whatever is on my mind, I am here to present it all without bias. Just give you the facts as I see them in front of me and using my 20-plus years of investment experience. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and I encourage you to reach out to me right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific time, every weekday. Or if you're listening after hours, great. We'd love that as well. You can call our anytime voice bank 
Same number, 888-99 chart. Leave your, leave your message, and we'll answer your question on a future show. Now, let's get right to our first listener question now. Oh, we're going to James in Sonoma looking at Philip Morris. PM is the symbol. Do you own it or are you looking to buy it? Well, I was thinking of, of buying it. Um, Philip Morris and uh, uh, MO Altria, uh, I used uh, uh, Verizon here several months ago as sort of a bond supplement, and I was thinking of doing the same thing with these guys. I, um, I'm not big on uh, cigarette manufacturers, but um, I understand one of the two. I think it's uh, MO Altria bought uh, 40% of a cannabis company up in Canada. And as you guys have always talked about, when they finally legalize this, the big guys are going to move in. So I was looking at it from that angle. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could you could definitely use uh, that angle as a potential kind of call option upside for uh, when and if cannabis does become federally legal. That it's one way to think about it. Uh, the issue with with Altria Mo is that that is domestically focused. And domestic cigarette production or, or uh, consumption it has been consistently down for many, many years. Now, they've been able to manufacture higher revenue, higher uh, profits, but only modestly so. And, but if you look at Phil Morris, they've done much better, uh, but you do have some foreign currency risk because their, their business is almost entirely uh, foreign. Uh, where, once again, you have currency risk, but you also have much better uh, growth in demand for cigarettes uh, because emerging markets, as they get richer, wealthier, they tend to smoke more. And so that's why Philip Morris has had a better kind of trajectory. But that's also why you don't get quite as good of yield. MOs yielding 7.7, whereas Philip Morris about 5.2. MOs trading at 10 times. And Philip Morris said about 17 times because earnings are expected to grow 16% this year and 10% next year. Uh, and MO, only 6% this year, 5% next year. So it's natural that you're going to pay lower multiple for lower growth and higher multiple for higher growth. That should be expected. Uh, I'm not sh- I know Philip Morris. Uh, I haven't seen anything on Philip Morris that um, does that, uh, when it has invested in a, a Canadian cannabis company. So you might be talking about um, Altria. Uh, we own Philip Morris for for our clients, uh, and we like that. We like that foreign currency uh, exposure. We like that better growth overseas, um, and we like the the balance sheet. So, if I'm picking one or the other, uh, I'll, I'll take the lower yield, still nice five point two percent, but with more upside potential uh, with the foreign growth. So, that's the way I would go about it. Now, Philip Morris has pulled back to about ninety six dollars from around one hundred and five. And the technicals still remain uh, relatively strong, even though you have that pullback. Whereas MO, you're now below the 200-day moving average, and it's made a series of lower highs and lower lows, which technically not not that great. <laughs> um, so uh, if I'm picking one or the other, I'm picking Philip Morris because of the the better technical backdrop as well as the better growth backdrop uh, of their business. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Powell says the Fed faces difficult trade-off if inflation doesn't moderate. So the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, told lawmakers last week that the central bank still expects a recent spell of high inflation to reverse, but said it was difficult to pinpoint when that might happen. So we're going to look at that story. Also, Chinese stocks. 
there's about 200 U.S. listed Chinese companies with a combined market value of roughly $2 trillion that that are at risk over the next few years of being completely delisted. Think of China Mobile. If you know anyone that's owned China Mobile and held it through and being delisted, it's really hard to sell. Really hard to sell. And there's a lot of these companies now that are at risk of being delisted over the next few years. And you need to be aware of that because it's very important. It's a big part of our market. Like I said, $2 trillion of U.S. capital uh, is tied up uh, in these names. And you need to be aware of it if you are holding any Chinese companies. Next, I want to get to the housing market and where affordability lies now that rates are ticking up a bit. Prices have obviously ticked up a lot over the past 18 months. And we're going to look at that story. And then lastly, tips, treasury, inflation, protected securities. How much do they really protect you against the inflation that we see now and likely see in the future? So that's what uh, is on my mind. Ultimately, I want to know what is on your mind. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 how you get through and ask your question. Now, let's check on the market today. COMPQ, NASDAQ, down 311 points. You're talking about 2.5% or so on average. You had Facebook down 5%. They had a widespread outage of uh, Instagram and some, I think, WhatsApp and and, and Facebook. Uh, Certainly, that probably put more pressure than it would normally have. But still, this has been a downtrend over the past few weeks because of those higher rates. And we're getting that margin compression really across the board of the the tech space, uh, the growth side of the market. Like I've been saying, inflation is bad for these names. And so uh, you need to use this as a wake-up call. You, I might, you may have not listened to me before. And maybe you thought that you just fell in love with the story, the story stocks. Well, story stocks are not working. This market is about real companies with real profits and a real business, not just uh, what we call a Ponzi business, right? Losing money just to grow their sales, not really having a provable, legitimate, profitable business. And a lot of those names are now coming under massive pressure. Multiples are contracting in a big, big way. Uh, energy was up. Uh, gold had a nice reversal today. And so those hard assets are the place to be in this market. And today was a shining example of that. And let's talk about it. This is Invest Talk. If you've never called, why not do it now? Curious to hear what you have to say. What's your experience in the market? How do you feel about a day to, like today? Give me a call. I'll give you my unbiased answer. Phone lines never close. 888 chart No two investors have an identical portfolio, so each investor will have different questions. I guess I'm wondering how I should kind of diversify. If the questions specific to your portfolio aren't being asked, your situation is not addressed. And I wanted your thoughts on the cannabis market. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein take InvestTalk listener questions each weekday during the program live stream in the 4 to 5 p.m. hour Pacific time. 
the InvestTalk Voice Bank never closes, so your questions are always welcome. As a newer investor, my question concerns positions. You have the right to remain silent, but why would you when anything you ask will be used to help you create your financial freedom? I think it'll probably go higher. And so I would keep a tight stop on it. So don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. For investors, the goal of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning, and determination. Congratulations. You found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed. Invest Talk. Steve and Justin welcome your questions anytime on the Invest Talk listener line. 888-99-CHART. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. So here are some questions from iTunes reviewers. Danny B says, I opened accounts with Steve and Justin two years ago. I've been super happy with the performance. Here's my question. If I have a stock that pays 10% dividend and reinvest the dividend, but the share price stays the same, is that the equivalent, uh, equivalent profit of a stock that pays no dividend, but the share price goes up 10% over the course of the year? Well, in generally, yes, especially if you're talking about a tax-deferred account. Now, if you're talking about a taxable account, those are two different situations. Stock goes up over a, a year and you don't sell it, there's no taxable event there. So your after-tax profit uh, is – your, your pre-tax profit uh, is 10% and you haven't triggered that capital gains yet. Whereas if you get paid a dividend, 10% dividend, stock goes nowhere, your – Triggering, triggering a taxable event by collecting that dividend each quarter or, or year, however often they pay it. Uh, and then based on your income levels, you're going to have to pay some sort of capital gain or, or uh, yeah, capital gains uh, rate on that uh, dividend. Now, they're hopefully qualified dividends if it's uh, kind of your normal stock, if it's a REIT or a master limited partnership, that's a, it's a different story. Those are uh, different, treated differently. They're not qualified dividends at that lower 20% or 15% or sometimes 0% if you don't have a lot of income, uh, th those rates. So depends on what type of company you're speaking about as well. So uh, there's always those little intricacies, uh, but in general, your, your answer to your question is yes, especially if it's a tax deferred account, like an IRA, 401k, uh, Roth IRA, SEP IRA, et cetera. Now here's another iTunes review question, Irish 1934. I'm a big fan of InvestTalk. My question concerns Arcadis NV, looks like an over-the-counter name, A-R-C-V-F is the symbol. It is a large multinational firm with more than 26,000 employees employed in, involved in huge infrastructure projects, bridges, seawalls, subways, airports, remediation, etc. Market cap 4.6 billion, so it's in the mid-cap space. Stock is up 124% in the last year. I own a large position. Would you hold or sell? Hmm, I haven't heard of Arcadis. Uh, it is it does have a pretty healthy market cap here. Let me Pull this up on a couple of our systems. Arcadis. Arcadis. Hmm. Definitely on a run. ARCVF uh, for everyone out there. Again, down three bucks today. Pretty decent down day. Hmm. Technicals are looking like they're a little overbought. So I will say that. 
They're out of Amsterdam, and they design, engineer, and provide solutions for various construction environmental projects. I like that type of industry right now where, where there's money being needed to be spent on water infrastructure, environmental infrastructure. Um, they develop commercial buildings, hospitals, schools, industrial facilities, uh, I imagine all across Europe. So the question is, is it overvalued? Enterprise value to EBITDA is at 14 times. What does it typically trade at? Well, between about five times and 16 times. So it's a little bit on the expensive side uh, after this huge run from 12 all the way to 48 over the past um, year or so. So I would be trimming here at these levels because of the overall valuation, but I would hold some position still because I like the industry and the company. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Thank you for tuning in. We're heading to a break, so give me a call now at 888-99-CHART. No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. The best way to get answers that correspond with your situation is for you to submit your questions to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. The 24-hour listener line never closes, so don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, this is Carter from Illinois. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, Thursday, September 30th, and I heard Justin say something about how the 100-day moving averages uh, in specific sectors were pointed downward and how specific sectors, the charts were moving under the 100-day moving average. And I was just wondering where you look to find that or if it's like ETFs or what specific uh, tickers you're looking at to see that. Thanks for everything you guys do. All right, that's, uh, that's a pretty easy one. Well, for free charts, there's uh, stockcharts.com. That's a, a, a decent free place to go and look at, at different charts. Uh, but if you're trying to break down different sectors, there are the Spider Select Sector ETFs. Uh, XLI is the one for the industrials. XLF is the one for the financials. Uh, XLU is the one for utilities. Uh, there, There's... There's about 11 different sectors now, and it's very easy to kind of browse through. And I look at the, these pretty much every day to see what sectors are are leading. And then there's subsectors. You can dig into like ITB, which would be home construction. That would be probably under industrials, but um, you know is more specific. And, and you definitely want to look at that. Like IBB would be one that would be uh, the iShares Biotech, and that's below the 200-day moving average now. Uh, it just shows you kind of the risk-off sentiment in the healthcare space, in the pharmaceutical space, because of legislation going through Congress for uh, the prescription drug prices to be negotiated uh, for uh, Medicare, uh, which is very popular but is being held up by uh, a few members of Congress. Uh, but it looks like it, it could be passed, and, and, and there's some pressure there as well. So looking at the subsectors, understanding kind of uh, the wins definitely helps. Uh, and there's, like I said, plenty of these sector ETFs out there. iShares has some. Select Spiders uh, has has some as well. So those are ones you can go to their websites and, and, and find those tickers. They're very easy to find, and it's good to, to really understand what's happening underneath the hood. XLK, for example, that's a select spiders for uh, technology now below the 100-day moving average. So always good to start to study the market, what's happening underneath the surface, because very, very little can be gleaned from 
the broad indices. Because they're so diversified, you can have strong sectors right now like energy and very weak sectors like technology, and they can make the market go nowhere. But underneath the surface, there can be a lot of movement. So it is good to watch for those sector ETFs underneath the surface. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Powell says the Fed faces difficult trade-off if inflation doesn't moderate. And this is a bit of an admission. Remember, we were talking about transitory. We think inflation is going to be transitory. Well, clearly, there's a bit of worry sneaking in to many people on the Federal Reserve Board that this may not be transitory. It may be stickier. And Powell even said a surge in prices this year is a function of supply-side bottlenecks over which we have no control. And this is the difference here, is the Fed is always trying to manufacture more demand. And remember, when it comes to prices, it's supply and demand. And the Fed can't do anything about supply. And it's really actually shocking that the government isn't doing more about the supply side. Yeah, you can release the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and all that, but that's a very that's one part of the market and, and certainly an important part. Uh, and and there's definitely some supply disruptions and and lack of lack of uh, investment on that side in the energy space. But the this is very broad based. I'm still looking out here and seeing the uh, the shipping containers out here off the port of of Long Beach and Los Angeles, and that's really something that they can't control. They can't control the supply side, which remains upset and not working as efficiently as it was pre-pandemic. And inflation, excluding food and energy, so core, was up 3.6% in July. If you include food and energy, it's up over 4%. And this is un- – they're unsure whether that's actually going to come down said, if inflation comes down on its own, we won't ultimately face the difficult trade-off of determining whether raising interest rates to cool down the economy and reduce inflation when there's still slack in the labor market, Powell said. So basically what he's saying is, well, we may come to a point in the near future where inflation is running so hot that we need to raise rates even though the labor market is not at full employment. Uh, And I think that's the biggest risk for the markets as well, that, hey, the Fed is no longer on the side of asset inflation because it needs to tighten policy to deal with the real inflation in the economy. The Fed doesn't, hasn't cared about asset inflation over the last decade plus. In fact, they encourage it. They even said they want to see the – they want to see a bull market in assets and that creates a wealth effect and people go out there and spend, have more confidence, et cetera. Et cetera. That's what they say. And so they're, they're signaling – they signaled last week that Each they day, are ready in- to start reversing their pandemic stimulus efforts, so QE, going from uh, $120 billion a month now down to something less uh, announced on November 2nd or 3rd. Uh, if the jobs report, which comes out this Friday, is at least decent. Now, it's possible it may just fall out of bed, come in at two or 300000 and that would be a big miss. And suddenly the tapering talk would be maybe off the table. But even if they taper and you still have inflation roaring, are they going to somehow taper faster to try to quell inflation? And then that could be a bigger problem for the equity markets. And I think that's the biggest risk in 2022, that inflation does not moderate, supply chains don't clear up, and they have to raise rates even though inflation or unemployment is high. 
We're going to a break. Give me a call, 888-99-CHART. Do you have questions about FDIC security, mortgages, money market funds, losses to your retirement plans? Give us a call today, 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value. So your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like, the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Now, from time to time, we get questions submitted through email. So I'll read one of those now. Hi, guys. I'm from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I am a new investor. I am in these two companies, and I'm wondering what your take is on them. 
Garmin and MGNI. I'm bullish on both. So let's unpack them real quick. Garmin is a maker of GPS, handheld GPS equipment. And this has really been on a chair tear. We've owned this uh, for we own this uh, a couple years back. Did well in it. Uh, got to a point where it was still a bit too overvalued for us, um, and we we sold out of it. And you've had a rollover here. Uh, definitely went higher than where we sold it. Now it uh, went to one fifty five in early or sorry late August. Now we're at one. Sorry, it's at one fifty five now. It was at one seventy eight. And so it's had a nice 13% drop from its 52-week high right into the 100-day moving average, so certainly at support. But the big question is, is is it still overvalued even though it's come down 13%? If you look at at its enterprise value to EBITDA, we're at 19 times. Historically, that's very expensive. This typically trades in the low teens. And so that's where my problem is is with the name is, is I like the company, consistent, strong profitability. But the multiples here are just frankly too high. Our fair value is about $110 a share. Now it's at $155. So once again, I like the company. We've owned it for clients in the past. But it needs to come down another probably 30%, 40% from here for me to get excited about the name. It's at a $30 billion valuation still. Uh, Our value is sub 20 and so uh, I would be looking to trim this name on a bounce. And then you're also looking at MGNI, which is Magnite. And this is one of those high growth tech names now in a downtrend and still needs a lot more correction to go. Even though it's growing nicely, uh, we're still trading at about 13 times enterprise value to revenue, which is very expensive. And technically, it is in a strong downtrend, down $2.59 today, almost uh, yeah, almost 10% on the day, 9% on the day. Uh, and that's already off. Let's see what it's off, uh, 60% from its high. These are the type of names that typically fall 80% before they bottom. That would put this closer to 12 bucks. 15 bucks, somewhere in that range, that's where it'd be interesting to me. Um, and I think it's headed there. I think it's headed to uh, the mid-teens, uh, maybe even 10 bucks. Uh, and that, that's an area where the valuation starts to be reasonable. Um, but not until then. I think it's in a downtrend, and I think it headed to those numbers. So I don't like either at these prices. Now let's keep things moving and pivot back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from New York. Hello, this is Duncan from New York. Thank you guys for all that you do. I've been listening to you guys for about a year now, and you've taught me a lot about long-term investing. I am now trying to expand my expertise and trying to do a little bit of defense for the volatility that's coming up. I would like you to help me kind of go over this idea of me buying pro shares, ultra pro short S&P 500, the ticker symbol, is SPXU. I was hoping that you could just like tell me if this is a good idea for short term. I put a call for the end of next year because I feel like with these uh, stocks hitting all-time highs, it's somewhat going to go low. But this is my first time doing a defensive play and uh, looking forward to hearing the answer on the show. Have a great day. Bye. All right, I like what you're talking about, about playing a little defense. The problem here is that you're picking a leveraged ETF. 
And anytime you are dealing with a leverage ETF, you want to be short-term trader only, short-term trader only. Now, if you want to buy a longer-dated option because maybe you want more risk or some time, maybe that's what you would do. But I probably wouldn't do that here either. I would be buying something that's relatively short-term, uh, 30, 60 days out uh, because I, w- I wouldn't want to hold it very long because the – the tracking error is much too high over a long period of time in these leverage ETFs. And so, and that means leverage long, leverage short, whatever type of ETF it is, all pro shares is a very common one, direction shares, another one uh, that are often very leveraged. Uh, and you want to be using these, once again, as trading vehicles in and out within five, 10 days, something like that. That's about as long as you really want to hold it uh, because. When they do go against you, they go against you fast, and it's harder to make that up. Uh, that's where the tracking error comes. And so that's why I would shy away from owning options on one of these names. I'd probably just own the underlying or buy very short-term options and play it that way near the money because you're not going to get anything that's far out of the money uh, because of that tracking error. So uh, I like that you're looking at getting a bit defensive, uh, and this is not a bad vehicle for that but only for a very short period of time. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 8899 We have about 15 minutes left in the show. So get your call in now. Let's touch a little bit on Chinese stocks. And this is a big news. This is big, big news to me. There are 200 U.S. listed Chinese companies with a combined market value of $2 trillion. And U.S. regulators have started the countdown. That will force many of these Chinese companies to potentially leave American stock exchanges. And if you hold these names and your company, your shares get delisted, they suddenly become very illiquid. They're very hard to trade. So you need to be very aware of this, whether you hold them now or potentially could hold them in the future. And you're looking to buy them over the next couple of years as they are still listed on our exchanges. You need to know the risk of delisting. Now, last year, then-President Trump signed a law that bans the trading of securities in foreign companies whose audit working papers can't be inspected by U.S. regulators for three years in a row. And current SEC Chair Gary Gensler has said the clock started ticking this year. And the SEC also expects that U.S. regulators could flag certain Chinese companies next year if they don't get their audit work completed for 2021. So although they say there's a tick, uh, there's a, t- uh, a ticking clock of about three years, there does not preclude them from getting rid of certain companies sooner on the exchanges. And some investors have already started to sell out of their American depository receipts because that's what they currently are. Their American depository receipts in Chinese companies. And so a lot of them are selling those and potentially buying them on Hong Kong exchanges. A lot of them are dual listed. In fact, there's 15 that are since 2019 that have moved their listings from US to Hong Kong. And liquidity is drying up on many of them. And the biggest risks are the data heavy Internet companies. Why? Because Chinese companies see that this data is state secret. 
that this is very valuable data. And they don't want the U.S. regulators, U.S. government getting their eyes on this particular type of data. They already flagged DD Global, the, the Uber of China, basically. And uh, once they went public and... This is this has been going on for years. In 2013, US and China had a brief breakthrough and it allowed US listed uh Chinese companies to be investigated by regulators for uh if they were being investigated that that China would open up their books. And they continued talks and in late 2015 officials from both countries met in Beijing and after 2 weeks of negotiations, talks broke off. Why? Because Chinese officials weren't willing to let U.S. inspectors audit companies like Alibaba and Baidu, two of the largest, most valuable Chinese companies listed on our exchanges. And they tried to also um, – they, they thought they had a breakthrough uh, to basically say that regulatory equivalence on an arrangement that China has with the European Union. So basically saying that – if China did the audit, it's the equivalent of U.S. doing the audit, the same deal they have with the European Union, and the U.S. didn't like that. We didn't like that. In 2017, you had uh, you had, you had more uh, – what was it? PBS attempted to inspect an audit of a Chinese-based company, and the Chinese, Chinese didn't produce the working papers the U.S. demanded and redacted others. So we try to look into some of their, their, uh, their companies, and they – released some data, but not all of it, and they redacted a lot of other ones. Uh, and then you had Luckin Coffee in 2019, which basically fabricated the vast majority of its revenues and expenses. And this really sparked the Senate to pass the bill that started the clock. And in June of this year, they shortened the three-year timetable to two years. So the moral of the story here is the clock is ticking fast. And I think that's one of the big reasons why you see so many of these shares of Alibaba and Baidu and uh, JD.com and just all of these giant tech companies that are struggling on our exchanges because I, I see there's a giant risk of delisting over the next couple of years and then becoming extremely illiquid. So you want to sell it now and not wait until it's delisted and have that risk hanging over your head. And the minute there's an announcement of a delisting, oh, you're going to see an exodus from these stocks quicker. So they'll go down 20, 30, 40% in a day, okay? And you need to be aware of this because it's very important and it could impact your portfolio if you have any of these names. Now, fall has begun. The fourth quarter is underway. And you're seeing this rotation in the market that I'm talking about. A lot of volatility. Uh, you're seeing volatility now trending higher. And what does that mean for your portfolio? How much risk are you taking? How heavily are you invested in high multiple story stocks? The exciting names. Do you understand the risk in your portfolio? Do you have a plan? Do you have a strategy? Well, if you need help developing one, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve, Steve at our company, KPP Financial, where we practice independent thinking and shared success on a daily basis, not just here each hour every week or every weekday. And we provide unbiased guidance and practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So if you want to take advantage of our free, no obligation portfolio review, just do 
So by reaching out to us at investtalk.com or calling our KPP financial office in Irvine, California, we can set up a go-to meeting or telephone call, and we'd love to help you in any way. Now, next up, we will go back to the InvestTalk Voice Bank. Remember, the phone lines never close at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Justin and Steve. This is Lucas from Tennessee. I would like your input on uh, the company Alpha ProTech. It's a small company. They're debt-free. Their P.E. ratio is on the low end of their range over the past several years. Uh, we'd just like your input, and I'll uh, look forward to hearing the answer on the show. Thank you, guys. Hmm. It's interesting. Okay, this is APT Alpha Pro Tech, eighty-five million, not billion, eighty-five million dollar market cap. So very, very small. Revenues last quarter down thirty percent. Earnings down seventy-four percent. Earnings last year were dollar ninety-four, down to a dollar thirty-eight this year, a dollar sixteen next year. And what do they do? Let's see. Uh, involves the business of developing and manufacturing and marketing a disposable protective apparel, building supply, infectious control products. So clearly they were benefiting from the pandemic and a lot of this uh, personal protective equipment that's still being used, but clearly not nearly as much as before, uh, uh, you know, a year ago, say. So they make gowns, coveralls, lab coats, frocks, shoe covers, etc. All these things that are used. They make face masks, eye shields. Um, so the demand for their products clearly were on the rise. March 2000, revenues up 20, uh, 48% year over year. June of 2020, up 123% year over year revenue. September, so third quarter of 2020, up 150%, fourth quarter, 166%. So you had this huge tailwind, and now that tailwind is abating. So you kind of have to go back to how much are they really going to earn a few years from now? Are we going to go back to the 23 cents a share that they made in 2019? They're already expected to go from $1.94 last year to $1.16 next year, almost cut in half. So you can't use the current P.E., you're going to have to say how much of their personal protective equipment is going to be in demand over the coming years as the pandemic turns into more endemic, which is basically what I think it is. And are they going to figure return to 23 cents a share in earnings? This is a very expensive stock, and the technicals look pretty poor. It's already down 68% from its 52-week high, and this is probably headed to where it was pre-pandemic. That's what the technicals are telling me. And that was right around four bucks a share. So I'm going to pass on this. I just want a company that's growing. Thanks for the call. Now, I think I can fit in another iTunes review question. So let's try. Vasquez0689 says, my question is in regards to my fiance's financial situation. She has recently started her career and wants to start investing for retirement. I recommended that she start should start a Roth IRA, but she makes over the income limit. So she ended up with a Roth 403D and opening a traditional IRA. Would you have any better recommendations for long-term investing accounts? No, I think that's good. The fact that she has the option to contribute to a Roth 403B at her employer, that's good. Make sure she's getting that full match. Definitely want to do that. And then the traditional IRA, that's a good option as well. You should have a bit of diversity there where um, she'll be able to write off the IRA contributions, but not the Roth 403B contributions. And in retirement, she'll have options, which one to pull from. So I think that's a good, good advice. 
This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now at 888 chart The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief risk quiz. Hi, my name is John from Becker, Minnesota, calling to find out what you think of Skywater Technologies. They make semiconductor chips that are said to be radon-hardened. They have, uh, my understanding, a military contract, and they are expanding their facilities to provide this in Bloomington, Minnesota. But again, Skywater Technologies, um, radon um, semiconductor chips. Thank you. Enjoy your show. Have a great day. All right, looking at Skywater Technology, this is a recent IPO on May, sorry, April 21st of this year. Law supposed to lose 49 cents this year after losing 47 cents last year and then projected to make one pen one penny next year per share, $25.39 stock, down 31% from its 52-week high just a few weeks ago. And what do they do? Well, they are a pure play technology foundry, so a semiconductor foundry. They produce, develop, and manufacture uh, chips in their facility in Minnesota, and they have advanced packaging services in their Florida facility as well. So one thing I like is that they're domestic. I think that is something that the it's bipartisan, that you want to bring chip manufacturing home. Uh, Intel is basically the the big player globally uh, here in in the U.S. They're the, really the only big player. The rest of the manufacturing is Taiwan Semiconductor and 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 in Asia generally. And I think there's going to be more investment in manufacturing chips here because they are vital to the products that we use every day. And so I like what you're looking at here. The problem are twofold. One, you're coming up on the six-month period after their IPO, and that would be on, like I said, they went IPO April 21st. That would be on October 21st, just a few weeks away. And typically, I have to look, but there's probably a six-month lockup period, and there's going to be a lot of selling, a lot of pressure to the downside of shares that uh, insiders own. They want to cash out at this about a billion-dollar market cap today. And that's probably why you're seeing a little pressure over the past few weeks, as well as just the semiconductor sector in general, taking on water. And so I like what you're looking at, but I just don't like the chart. I don't like that six-month lockup period. And it's still a bit expensive uh, based on multiple metrics, enterprise value uh, to revenue. still about six and a half times. That's still pretty expensive. We need to come down probably closer to four times for me to get excited about it. So right now we're trading at 25. I would say back down near the lows, around 15. That would be interesting to me. Uh, But here and with the lockup period right in front of you, I would be patient on it. But I like what you're looking at. I like this 
type of uh, company that could have a lot of growth here domestically in chip manufacturing. Thanks for the call. Now, lastly, I want to get to the housing market. And we know the housing prices are rising at a record pace, but incomes are not keeping up. In fact, over in July, the latest month of the Atlanta Fed's uh, calculation of home prices, medium home prices were $342,350, up 23% from a year ago. And median incomes were only up 3% over that time. And we know from the last housing crisis that you can't have that happen consistently. Okay, so the higher prices are canceling out and then some these higher incomes. In fact, the median household would need 32.1% of its income to cover the average mortgage payment on a medium price home. That's the highest it's been since November 2008 when it was 34.2. And right in front of that, you had a lot of layoffs and that's why you had the housing crash and all that. Um, now, I don't think this time is going to be a housing crash like that. I think there's too much equity in people's homes. Uh, the, the lending was not nearly as, as gross as, as before. Um, but I could definitely see a bit of retrenchment here as mortgage moratorium and, and mortgage uh, rent and, and uh, yeah, mortgage moratorium, rent and mortgage moratorium roll off. And uh, that could bring on some supply. So I do think we're at a time, a little inflection point. I don't think it's going to be major where you're going to see a deceleration in housing. Now, how much will depend on the region, um, but you are seeing some affordability issues, and 63% of consumers in August believe it was a bad time to buy a house. That's up from 35% at the same time last year. That means people are striking on these higher prices. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Now over 35 million. You get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. And if you leave your brief question with your rating, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial.